0: And welcome to The Stooshy, the award-winning Scottish politics podcast from DC Thompson that helps you be better briefed. I'm Andy Phillip and on this episode I'll be joined by political reporters Justin Bowie and Derek Healy to catch up on the latest goings on in and around Holyrood and our communities. This week we assess the SNP leaders on the way in and on the way out. Anyone tuning into the STV debate will have seen the trio of contenders really going for it with some pretty electric political knockabout from politicians who are believe it or not, on the same side. Nicola Sturgeon was at First Minister's Questions after her record was trashed on live telly. Has she basically just checked out who is running this show? We'll look at the leader uh, candidate prospects too, including a bit on Ash Reagan uh, a week after she introduced an unexpected thermometer into the contest. And we have some polling to chew over as well. Derek Healy... The Courier political editor is in Dundee at the Lib Dem conference where he'll join us for a chat about their prospects, whatever they are. We'll wrap it up with a look at how any of these things go on and actually affect you in your communities with policies that are still, believe it or not, still having to be run from parliament. while lost Carnival continues, but let's start with a whistle-stop tour of the past week's shenanigans. Justin, what stood out for you?
1: Well, Tuesday night's STV debate was the sort of, I suppose, biggest showing for the three candidates to succeed Nicola Sturgeon so far. And it was a pretty explosive affair, to be honest. Kate Forbes took aim at Hamza Yousaf in a way that you would probably expect, you know, from the opposition more commonly. And we've been used to the SNP being such a united front over the years. There's obviously been rumblings in the back benches. There's been lots of many feuds, but at the top level in Holyrood, they've been, you know, very very tightly run ship. So it was pretty incredible to see Kate Forbes slating his record on health, slating his record on transport, and slating his record when he had the justice. Justice brief. I mean, it was. It wasn't even just criticism. It was, you know, saying the trains didn't run in time, pointing out record any waiting times. The sort of thing that the SNP would never want to draw attention to. And of course, we had each of the three candidates saying, "You don't have a plan for independence." No, you don't have a plan for independence. Hamza Yousaf hit back at Kate Forbes a little bit, was saying, "You know, you didn't get give get money from Westminster when you needed to." So for the opposition, you know, it was just an absolute gift and. Nicola Sturgeon said she wasn't actually watching. She was at an event, so couldn't see it. But I imagine she must have been pretty dismayed at, at what was going on. I mean, these debates are common when you have a leadership contest. We've not seen it with the SNP for a long time. But it's still a pretty remarkable state of affairs to have these these cabinet colleagues tearing into each other and tearing each other's records apart.
0: Well, Nicola Sturgeon um, was obviously going to get that all read back to her on Thursday, you know, couple of days after the, the debate was on the TV. I mean, anyone who was watching with one eye on social media as well during the STV debate will have seen, I mean, seconds went by before Labour and the Conservatives in particular were just saying, well, that's our you know election leaflets sorted for the next couple of years. So it was no surprise when lo and behold, that's exactly what happened to Nicola Sturgeon on Thursday when Douglas Ross for the Conservatives and, and Sarwar for Labour stood up to take their Places opposite her in the chamber. So, Justin, you were watching first minister's questions. It, was it a surprise how it went?
1: No, not necessarily. It was, you know, quite, again quite explosive, quite um, you know, you know, a lot of kind of um, jousting back and forth is perhaps the best way to put it. But I think we all knew that Douglas Ross and Anna Sauer were going to take advantage of the comments made by the leadership candidates. I mean, I think Douglas Ross was approaching it with a bit of glee. He's really been given a better gift for, you know, what to use for his opening questions. Some weeks you watch First Minister's questions and it can be difficult for an opposition leader. Sturgeon knows her brief. She's been a very skilled um, debater over the years. And sometimes if there's been a quiet week, you feel like maybe opposition leaders are kind of having to wake up the same things again and again. They're getting the same responses back. They're often just not getting anywhere with it. So I think for Douglas Ross this week, it was just a fantastic open go for him.
0: Yeah, well, shall we have a listen um, to see how it went?
1: I think I'll repeat it, because
0: I was just saying, apparently, the First Minister couldn't bear to watch this week's SNP leaders debate. Uh, but her ears must have been burning as the candidates torched the SNP's record uh, in government. So let me be helpful to Nicola Sturgeon as I tried to do an update her on what was said. Her finance secretary, Kate Forbes, said this about Scotland. The trains never run on time, the police service is stretched to breaking point, there's record high waiting times in the NHS. Yeah, it was um, handed on a plate to, to Douglas Ross there. Was there much red faces, heads and hands? Paint the picture for us, Justin, you were watching the chamber.
1: A little bit. I mean, I think it was definitely quite difficult for Nicola Sturgeon. She sort of defected to this approach of, well... People in Scotland vote for me, so it's only their verdict on, on me that matters. And she has a point. She's won multiple elections. She's been hugely successful, but feels a little bit you know, weak sometimes if you know, when your own finance secretary is criticising your health secretary, you just kind of defer to the, the voters. C- clearly, there is a deeper issue here that goes beyond the SNP's record in government. We know the SNP have won lots of elections. We know they've been successful. The points being raised, though, are can they continue being successful in, and has what they've done in government actually been good for the country? Because a party can get votes, you know, the Conservatives at Westminster get lots of votes. Nicholas Dudgeon would not then argue that that is, you know, a recipe for success or that is, you know, a good verdict on, on their government. But as, as we hear in a second, the First Minister was still kind of, very much in, I suppose, you know, good form in the sense of she, she had plenty of retorts. And as always, she didn't hesitate to take aim at Douglas Ross and the Conservatives.
0: Morning, officer. I am... Um very very aware that for douglas ross uh, mediocrity of course is a dizzy height that he's never come close to achieving
1: there's also thank you
0: there's also there's no confusion whatsoever about where Douglas Ross is in terms of government or opposition. He's in opposition now and he's going to remain in opposition for a long, long time to come. Extra points for naming the delighted Man in the background, Justin. Who was that clapping away? That
1: was John Swinney. He was having a great time. And and there was perhaps a sense from, you know, Nicola Sturgeon and John Swinney, you know, John Swinney's also leaving the government of perhaps a sort of relaxed approach. I mean, they've they've got a couple of weeks to go. You know, they know that very, very soon they're not going to have to be doing this every week. There was there was another point where Nicola Sturgeon was talking about, you know, almost quite reflective about, you know, whoever gets the, you know, the, you know, the sort of um, you know, the responsibility of taking up that podium each week and fielding those questions. So I think, you know, Nicola Sturgeon she wasn't necessarily very strongly refuting the point that Douglas Ross was making about the sort of infighting within a party. But there was still an almost relaxed sense of, you know, after years of having the top job, she's almost past this and she'll never resist an opportunity to take a pop at Douglas Ross.
0: Yeah. Well, see, something you mentioned just before we heard her um, reply to Douglas Ross um, points at something which uh, she politicians do this all the time. They've got their own audience that they're talking to and they forget sometimes that everyone else is listening. Being told, "Ah, oh, well, our record is 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 dreadful," according to our own second uh, SNP finance secretary, and then saying, "Yeah, but don't mark, as folks still vote for us." I mean, people could be for forgiven for thinking, "Hmm, ever get the feeling you've been cheated?"
1: Perhaps a little bit. I, mean, I think until now, there's often you know, Scottish politics has been very polarised. So SNP voters hear that sort of retort and think, "Well, yeah, it's true. I vote SNP." Douglas Ross is. Incorrect according to what I think, but then you know, conservative voters will think, well, yeah, people vote for you, but I don't like you, and I think that Douglas Ross is correct. So, there is a bit of that, but if you're an SNP voter or even an SNP member at the moment, if you've been someone who's been very much just behind all aspects of the party, you might be a wee bit confused as to what on earth is going on here. What, what you know, there there will be people out there who perhaps like Hamza Yousaf and Kate Forbes, you know, not everybody is necessarily completely split on either side at the moment. It's not necessarily going to be entirely polarised. So, yeah, I do wonder if there's some SNP voters thinking, wait a minute, this is, this is a fair point that's been made and it's not really been refuted.
0: Well, and Sarwar was also uh, taking his regular spot, asking questions of Nicola Sturgeon. So what did he have to say?
2: Presiding officer, week after week, I have asked the First Minister about the NHS and week after week, she has defended the indefensible and asked patients to accept the unacceptable. Now, members of our own government accept that the NHS is in crisis. Kate Forbes has said that more of the same won't cut it, and she's called it Hamza Youssef for delivering record waiting times.
0: Nicola Sturgeon was doorstepped afterwards by journalists, as she, as we like to call it. It wasn't really a doorstep, it was on a landing, to be uh, quite specific there. But she would not answer questions about the fact that it appears to be going a little bit pear-shaped in the benches right next to her. Um, so denies that there's any kind of SNP civil war and all that kind of thing but and says she's not watched the debate but does this just show like, a first minister who's checked out but checked out at the wrong time I means surely the country still needs to have someone who's who looks like she's in control
1: perhaps a little bit I mean when Nicola Sturgeon said she didn't watch the debate the other night she, she was at she did mention she was at um, a specific event so you know she had a reason for not watching it but at first glance it, it did sound quite odd you know the idea that the SNP leader you know there's almost a sense of detachment from the process of, of, of who's going to succeed her. It's an odd one. I mean, leaders always need to pick a time to stand down. But as Anna Sauer highlighted there, the NHS has been in crisis. And I thought it was interesting that he took a slightly more sober assessment. You know, he was pointing out Kate Forbes' comments, but it was less with the glee of Douglas Ross and more with a sort of concern of, well, while your leadership contest rages on, you know, he, he cited kind of um, case studies, for example, of people who have been having difficulties in the health service. And I think that sometimes puts Nicola Sturgeon in quite a difficult position. With Douglas Ross, it's easier easier for her to just hit back and say, well, you know, you're never going to be First Minister, so ha-ha, which is, almost becomes the approach. But when Labour are maybe leaning more towards case studies and, you know, people who are actively struggling under the NHS, as it is right now, you know, Nicola Sturgeon's, her only really kind of political party retort becomes, well, this is happening in Wales, where, where Labour are in government there. That That's quite a common retort that she often likes, but... It, because it's more difficult to, it's, yeah, it's, it's more difficult, I think, to strongly kind of, it's difficult to fall into that sort of political back and forth, you know, when when sober case studies are being brought up. So I thought it was interesting that Anna Sauer to sort of deploy the more sober approach.
0: We did take a little bit of a, a deeper look at some of the claims that are being made by the candidates of each other. Uh, as we've already discussed, and as the opposition leaders have already pointed out, Kate Forbes Perhaps surprised a lot of people with how focused she was on Humza's Hamza Yousaf's record in not just his current brief and but, but all his government roles stretching back as a as a stick to beat him um as a as a as a potentially bad first minister. It's it is um a tricky There's two horses that she's trying to ride at once there. There's the talking to the SNP membership directly, saying, I'm the one that needs to be trusted to lead the country. But again, everyone else who isn't in the SNP or, or even supports the maybe but isn't a member, is also watching thinking, goodness me, this is going to be a tough one to sell at the next election. What have I been campaigning for? That kind of thing. But was I, Was um, was Kate Forbes correct in her assessment of Hamza Yousaf? You took a, a look at that and you can, anyone who wants to hear more or, or find out more about that can, can go and look on our website to, to read it. But give us a little bit of a flavor what what were the the fact checks
1: yeah i mean we did a bit of a fact check on this and i mean i suppose if you take our statements at you know they're kind of most kind of basic level The NE statement about record waiting times is absolutely correct. Scotland has seen record waiting times. Hamza Yousaf's defence is the NHS has been stretched across the UK. There are long waiting backlogs from COVID. There are a lot of stresses on the NHS that come from the current economic situation we're in. He argues in his defence that he has managed to avert NHS strikes up here, which hasn't necessarily been the case elsewhere. But, you know, the bare statement of record Any waiting times under his watch is correct. Labour have been demanding his resignation for months over that. Go- going back to his previous brief, um, he was Justice Secretary, and um, obviously Kate Forbes argued that the police were at breaking point. It's quite a big, bold claim that, I mean, the, the, if you look back, the police had a lot of concerns. Recently, just the other day, the former head of the Police Federation, Callum Steele, was talking about, you know, the terrible infrastructure within Police Scotland at the moment you know, the kind of lack of community-based policing and with Hamza Yusuf being in that role until about, until 2021 after the Holyrood election, there clearly were a lot of problems. Whether you can see breaking point, it's a bold claim that, isn't it? I mean, police officer numbers weren't really going down as such. You know, the number of crimes recorded have consistently been at a kind of low level compared to, you know, say a decade or two before. Um, it's, it's, it's always difficult, I think, with a brief like that to to describe, you know, what is breaking point? You know what? What is a sort of tipping point there? So that was going to be quite a bold claim that it would be hard to see. You couldn't just pin it, pin it down and say it was correct. But by the same token, clearly there were major issues within policing while Hamza Yousaf was in charge. And going back again, you know, the comment that the trains never ran on time. I mean, again, that's quite a bold claim. I, I imagine there was a bit of hyperbole there. Where, you know, I don't imagine that Kate Forbes was arguing that not a single train ran on time while Hamza Yousaf was transport minister. Clearly that's ridiculous. But... You know we, we all, all had problems over the years getting a train that it doesn't turn up in time that the service is unreliable while he was transport minister there were slight reductions and you know managing to meet certain targets you know for example there's sort a of five minute target which is seen as a train being on time for ScotRail oh, that fell below 90 percent there were slight um increases in cancellation times to sort of much higher levels than before while he was in that brief but in terms of percentages, you know, we are, are often talking about half percentage, one or two percent, and obviously, if you're going a train regularly, you know, that could mean that over a year you've got an extra couple of trains a year, which I don't know. In time, but I suppose you compare it to the issues with trains in the past year or so, where we've had constant strikes. It feels like there's constant cancellations and delays a lot of us would probably like to go back to the time when he was in charge. So if you're taking Kate Forbes' statement at, you know, face value, then, you know, clearly, no, the strains were often running on time. Clearly, there was improvements that could have been there. So so I think that's perhaps what baffled people. She was correct on a but some of these statements were so bold and so forward that even the opposition, I think, would sometimes be reluctant to make them. And... I get the point from Kate Forbes that she's trying to be honest, she's trying to be forthright and it's great for us as journalists because I suppose it makes for really interesting stories but if you've spoken to SNP, MPs and MSPs this week who have said why are you handing the opposition that you, at the end of all this Kate Forbes and of Yousaf potentially need to work in a government together. How do they do that if they are saying of the other, you know, you are incompetent and you are not qualified to do your job. Well,
0: you, you mentioned some of the but the the reaction as well. We spoke to um, a number of politicians, including uh, Pete Wishart um, in Perthshire, who who was dismayed and just couldn't believe what he was hearing. And so, there's a lot more of that. Uh, you can read on our website if you go and check it out there. Um, we're also we haven't met, talked much about the third con- contender in all of this, Ash Reagan, the Edinburgh Eastern. MSP it feels like a bit of um ancient history already since the the kind of fireworks went off at the stv debate but ash reagan's had some um kind of left field uh, interventions in this whole thing i mean just after we recorded last week there was a hustings in fife where she came up with a few policy ideas and one of them um was the independence readiness thermometer um which I mean, eyebrows were raised, a few jaws hit the floor. What what's going on there? And and she started talking about uh, this is a time for brave hearts, not faint hearts. Just the other night, a sort of cliche, sort of trope of Scottish nationalism, which uh, if you go on social media, a lot of dyed in the wooled uh, nationalists were um, putting their head in their hands about. What's where's Ash Regan fit in all this? She's only got the support of one MP that I can think of? Where Does she have any hope? What's her constituency here?
1: I, I suppose she's maybe going for those more disaffected SNP voters who feel that party just doesn't really have a strategy on independence. You, you know, some of the concerns were that, you know, when Nicola Sturgeon was kind of blocked by the Supreme Court, she moved to this de facto referendum strategy. But among a lot of voters, I felt a wee bit like, you know, you've been promising a referendum for years, you haven't delivered. No matter how many elections you've won, you have not managed to deliver independence. So I suppose Ash Regan's maybe tacking to, to that sort of wing of the party, you know, if I was to be blunt, you know, people who maybe lean towards the Alba party but didn't bother leaving the SNP, you know, and it, it seems like that sort of constituency she's maybe appealing to. I mean, it, when you look at polls, you know, there is slight support for her there. You know, it's not as if she's lingering on, like, you know, t- 10 people backing her like, in terms of members. There's clear support there. And it's, it's interesting to look, you know, I, b- I believe the way the voting works for, the, for this contest, you know, preferences can be transferred between candidates. So how Ash Regan kind of leans in terms of, you know, who she would like to, if she's not going to win, who she would prefer out of Hamza Yousaf and Kate Forbes and who her supporters would back there could end up being pretty key to this contest. So I, f- I think it's an interesting one. And I, and I thought it was quite interesting during the debate um, in STV where Hamza Yousaf, during one of his questions to her, almost took a step back from the sort of criticising each other to say, you know, do you agree that... The UK government's policy to you know asylum seekers is bad and it was almost a little bit of a reach across the aisle here's an easy question here's a sense that we are all on the same side here you know if if your voters want to vote for you fine but i also want your voters to to like me as well but yes she is the outsider candidate but she has an interesting role to play in this contest i think yeah
0: Um, I was just, I mean, there's only so much I can gain from attempting to second guess what our audience is thinking about hearing all these things, because obviously the only people who know how they're going to vote are the SNP members who are going to cast their votes um, in the not too distant future. I suspect quite a lot of people who were maybe going to vote for Ash would possibly break for Kate Forbes after that. Um, it's, It's really difficult to work out how the vote might, might fall. But if anyone listening to this does want to get involved and tell us what they think and and uh, feed, give us feedback on what they think the leaders are doing right and wrong, then please feel free. You can um, comment, as always, underneath all of our stories. And um, we also have a reader's poll uh, about which uh, candidate you want. Um, it's all there on our politics pages at the Courier and the Press and Journal. There's one big thing happening. This has nothing to do with the SNP leadership. And that, of course, is going on in Dundee right now. Derek Healy, the Courier Political Editor, is in the City of Discovery, where the Liberal Democrats are having their party conference. They are a party which is not exactly riding high in the polls or even uh, with representation in Parliament. Um, The UK leader, Ed Davey, will be there today and uh, we're going to be catching up with them over the weekend. So I thought if Derek um, wants to, to join in from his vantage point at the conference hotel, Give us the assessment, please, on are the Lib Dems ever going to capitalise and perhaps what's going on with the SNP?
2: Yeah, I think probably leaders of all the opposition parties will be looking on at this SNP leadership contest, rubbing their hands as the contestants sort of tear strips off each other. Um, It's obviously an interesting time for Labour, who seem to be sort of in the ascendancy and and doing quite well under Anna Sarwar at the moment, we've discussed that previously on this podcast. Uh, the Tories are obviously in second place, fighting for a life to hold on to it. And the Greens, after um some good election performances, are now in government. So obviously the other party and all that are the Lib Dems. Um I think it's a it's a huge ask to come back from the the sort of really, really bad election results we've seen in recent years for the Lib Dems. Um, There's quite good news for them going into the conference today and that they have just won a by-election in Edinburgh. Um, So, you know, that's good news, that's a bit of a positive coming in this morning, I'm sure Alec Hamilton was delighted with it. I saw him tweeting it this morning (laughs) and I thought, yeah, he'll be delighted with that going in today.
0: Lib Dems winning here, yeah, there'll be placards and bar graphs and charts before you know it, all over social
2: media. Of course, of course, and it makes his job a little bit easier. Uh, in terms of selling himself to the party faithful on Saturday um, for his big speech. Yeah, I, I think it's incredibly difficult. Um, we saw like some, today some of the things they're focusing on are things like rural affairs, island communities, energy and renewables, um, those are going to be big, big talking points for the Lib Dems. They always have a really good focus on mental health and uh, in particular CAMS. that's something they always like to speak on, uh, that will be a focus. and. Uh, Particularly of interest on our patch, um, they're also going to be discussing on Saturday violence in schools, um, which will be uh, an important topic for a lot of people, I think, given some of the the videos and social media and things that we've reported on recently. So yeah, I think they're, they're trying really, really hard, but it does seem difficult for them where they're going to find that ground and where they're going to carve themselves out a little spot. Um, within Scottish politics, difficult.
0: Yeah, of course you'll be speaking to Ed Davey after you've um, done here as well so we can catch up with a lot more of that later on in the week in print and on our websites. Okay, that's it for this week. Thanks to Justin Bowie, Derek Healy and producer Caroline White, and of course to you for listening. We'll be back next week with more but until then, pick up a paper or log on to The Courier, The Press and Journal and all of our news brands so that you can be better briefed.